All right, this is one of my favorite episodes with two of my favorite people, Allie and AJ. We did this episode October 6, 2020, which was a very monumental, pivotal, sad day in music because it's the day that Eddie Van Halen passed. As I'm sure a lot of you know, Sunset Sound was the home of Van Halen's birth. They tracked their first five albums with us. I'm the host of the Van Halen Roundtable. I love being in these rooms where all this music was created. Part of the reason I work at Sunset Sound initially is because of Van Halen. So it was a very sad day, and to hear this news before you're about to interview somebody um, was a little distraught. But don't let it deflect from the fact that Ali and AJ are amazing songwriters. They put out a great album this year. We love them here at Sunset Sound. We're so happy they did their album here at Sunset Sound, and they're just two cool, fun, young ladies in this crazy world. So thank you to Ali and AJ, and I hope everyone enjoys. We're live in Sunset Sound Studio One. We're here with Ali and AJ, and we're gonna have a wonderful little discussion, but first we'd like to give uh, our warmest condolences to the Van Halen family and um, messages in regards to Eddie, his family, his son Wolf, and um, it's a sad day for music. Mm, yeah, it is, it is. Allie and AJ, how are you doing? We're doing, we're doing okay. Um, you know, it's been a hard year for a lot of people. We've lost some really incredible legends and we've um, really just kind of seen the destruction that not only the pandemic has brought, but also just losing some musicians this year that has kind of hit us really hard. Um, Eddie being one of them today, we're just kind of shocked by it. Um, you know his son, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. We've known Wolfgang for a long time and we don't see each other often, but you know, he's kind of one of those guys that just circles your life every now and then because he's sure. a musician and every now and then we'll run into each other or we'll message each other on Instagram. But um, he's just one of those people that's kind of always been just an incredible like soul in our lives. Like he's really, really kind and has a lot of heart and so much talent. So and much talent. the relationship he had with his dad was really special. I know yeah. that for yeah. sure. I lost my father uh, 10 years ago, but that's just um, stays with you forever. And hopefully, mm -hmm. um, He's doing okay. I mean, as you know, uh, the history here, Van Halen did their first five albums, mm -hmm. um, one of them in this room, four in Studio Two, and uh, sad day for music. You know, it's um, you guys were so kind to do our Sunset Sound into the vault, where we take uh, one of the historic songs of our 60 years, and we have an artist of today recreate it. I want to get into that because it's so important we're keeping this music alive, like, as you said, with all these musicians passing away. Yeah. And there's got to be somebody that carries the torch, kind of. Now, you just um, did Buffalo Springfield, um, which was an amazing rendition that people will be able to see, but uh, for what it's worth, which is about the Sunsets, uh, sorry, the Sunset Boulevard protests. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose that song? I think we chose that song because that song is so relevant to what's happening right now. I mean, we just experienced a whole summer of protests and this incredible movement of uh, Black Lives Matter throughout this city and so many other cities across the nation. And I feel like a song like that signifies exactly what we're going through right now um, in this administration. And yes, we've had some change, but not enough. Um, the fact that that song still resonates so deeply with mm -hmm. people today just shows you how much more needs to be done um, and I, I think that, you know, that's kind of the ultimate, really when I think of a protest song, that is like the ultimate protest song. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to do something that not only made us think of Sunset Sound, but also made us think of this particular climate that we're living in right now. We were very tempted to pick a Beach Boys song, but mm -hmm. we were also like, 
we can't do Beach Boys without all the other harmonies. I was like, it's just going to be too much. We were and like, it's weird. just not going to. So we were like, okay, Buffalo Springfield. <laughs> we, we got that. And you'd have to battle John Mayer because he's doing Pet Sounds. So. He is. Is he really? Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Oh, my good. gosh. We, we let, God, we, we didn't touch that. that. We let him handle that. What song? Uh, I can't say. Okay, Damn. that's fine. We'll watch it. We'll watch it. So you guys just finished tracking uh, your full-length album in here as well, yeah. just last month. Yeah. And let me commend you. I've seen you literally probably 20 times in here. You're not an artist that shows up, does 15 minutes of vocals, and then the producer takes over. You guys are here <laughs> from before the janitors in the morning. And, you know, you're the last ones to leave. You came in on um, when your producer, Eve Rothman, uh, was working the other day just to be a part of it. Uh, is mm-hmm. that pretty imperative to be involved in every little thing? It is. Yeah. I think so. I mean... You know, we're independent artists. We're kind of steering the ship here, along with Eve and some other people that are close to our camp. But I feel like this is kind of the beauty of making a record. Who wants to just sing and leave? I mean, I, I, I feel like at that point, it's 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 a bit of like a whole phoning it in process, whereas mm-hmm. Allie and I are really interested in being in a live cutting room with our band. And, and you know, we have James McAllister playing on the record, and we have uh, Amir and Jake from The Voids, and Ben Zellico, who's, you know, offered a lot of his talents to many different instruments on the record. But I just feel like it's important to um, embody the space and... and and also, like, kind of lead the pack a little bit. Like, we're the artists. We're here to kind of delegate what's going to happen and mm-hmm. what's what's going on with the sound and how, you know, a specific um, uh, chord change could kind of turn everything around. Like, there's this one note that oh, yeah. on Slow Dancing yeah, that yeah. was driving Allie and I nuts. That and thank God we were there we that day. If we weren't there. Like, it might have just gotten cut, which is fine. But then we, yeah. over time, it's like, that really bugs. Why wasn't I there? And then... No one was playing anything wrong. It was no. just, it was actually the way we had written it. And we, it had always kind of rubbed us wrong, this particular pre And then Ben kind of helped open up yeah. the, the World change. of possibilities. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I think it's because we've also made enough records at this point where we realize that missing those moments are actually really integral to the outcome of the record. And, sure. you know, even if you miss, it, it doesn't mean that you need to be, um, you need to be there for every single second of every moment. I understand that sometimes it's good to also walk away a little bit and step aside and mm-hmm. also trust your producer. But at the same time, I know that AJ and I have maybe, you know, missed an hour or two of like strings being cut. And then we looked back on it and we were like, ah, oh, we should have been there because we would have just immediately yeah. said to Eve, hey, that part's maybe a little bit too busy. Can we cut that or whatever? Right. Yeah. So um, I think we've just learned from past mistakes and realized we actually like being here for the full process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Well, you guys write your own music. You yeah. play instruments well, too. You know, it's very yes. uh, admirable. I mean, I, I tell you, I've seen been a lot of studios, a lot of artists in here. And, uh, you know, we were, I was just talking to my friend over here about Max Martin, the famous producer mm-hmm. who does... Yeah. You know, wins 25 Grammys a year, but you know, <laughs> he's pretty much the performer and plays the instruments yeah. and does everything for those artists, not to name names, but it's refreshing to see, uh, you know, real musicians, real songwriters take control of their album, and that's the way it should be. You know, Thanks. it's not a cookie-cutter process. So um, it's been great having you girls here. What did, um, you ladies here, what did um, drove you to Sunset Sound? Did someone tell you about this historic place, or did you had you been here before? We'd never been to Sunset. Never been. We've passed it about, I mean, a million times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but our producer Eve, when we were speaking about, you know, cutting this record, we were all very, um, we were all very determined to cut this album with live musicians in in a room, and not just live musicians isolated in, mm-hmm. you know, in moments, which is how we've done a lot of records in the past. But it was usually like having the drummer come in, we cut the drummer, then we cut the 
bassist, then we cut the you know guitarist. This was like having one whole band, everybody kind of working together and letting that energy kind of seep into the music. And there's only so many places that you can really do that in LA where there's a large enough cutting room and with the kind of um, gear, the kind of board, you know, that, that Sunset Sound has, the, the boards, echo chambers. the echo chambers. <laughs> there's, mean, there's, so, just so, there's so many things that... Many that, magical pieces of this. Yeah, studio. that this place has to offer. And when we really started talking about it, we were just like, well, maybe Sunset Sound is the spot. Let's just see if they're open. I know we're in a weird moment with this, you know, shut lockdown and... Um, hopefully, you know, they'll be down to have us in and we'll, you know, follow the guidelines with masks and everything as much as we possibly can and we'll get tested and everything. Um, and, and we were able to, to pull it off, which is kind of a miracle given this, mm -hmm. this moment in our history. It also felt right just based on who's recorded here. Like Allie and I grew up listening to the Beach Boys constantly and knowing Pet Sounds was done here and knowing we're in Jim Morrison's room and we ended up actually cutting one of the main vocals on Pretty Places, one of the songs on the record, um, in this room, it was the anniversary of Jim Morrison's death. Oh, wow. And it was, it was so, so weird. We trippy like, to be like, here oh. we are at Sunset Sound, we've passed this studio a million times, we love the artists who have come in and out of here, and we're literally in like Jim Morrison's room. Like, it was really, it was, it was pretty amazing, and I do think things like that add a magic to the record that you just can't mm -hmm. get otherwise. Yeah, it's still for me when I come in here, it's just, um, you know, because it looks like 1972 still mm -hmm. in here. It, it looks like 1968. It does, it does. Uh, you know, and I'm sure you've been in other recording studios. I was just mentioning, like, there's hot tubs in these studios and gyms, and <laughs> right. it's not a spot. It's not a Vegas lobby at Planet Hollywood. It's mm -hmm. uh, right. you're there to do music, and it's exactly the same as all these uh, great people that walked before you. So I think that's so important when you're in a studio that it's, you know, the music is the focus and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we're not flashy. We didn't even have an Instagram page till a year and a half ago, but we were just hmm. stay busy because people know. Yeah, they know the history. Sound. That's enough yeah. to carry it. I mean, it should be enough to carry it, but it's also great that the younger generation growing up can learn about the music that was made here and that the artists that they listen to now might mm -hmm. not ever exist if it wasn't for artists like Prince and the Beach Boys and yeah. you know Van Halen making the music that they made that then influenced those artists to create yep. mm -hmm. you know their own work. I hope that other people, you know, kind of take heed and notice like, oh wow, the girls like took the time to figure out exactly where they wanted to record. It happened to be Sunset Sound. I want to cut a record there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. I want every artist that comes out of here, I hope that creates, you know, yeah. a, a chain a trickle reaction. down effect. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's great that, you know, that's the also the premise of that show we're doing the concept you know just yeah. to keep it alive and um what's the subject matter on the on the new record this full length album you guys just completed what's it about um we touch on a lot of different subjects i mean yes it's a romance record yes it's a quarantine record yes it's now a little bit of a, a pandemic record there's a couple songs that that kind of lean heavily towards the the idea of of you know, being quarantined with someone, a lover who you maybe haven't spent this much time with um, before. Um, but overall, this record just feels good to listen to. I hope that it just brings a lot of happiness, a lot of joy. Um, I think it's Allie and I's job as artists to hopefully inspire um, and to um, encourage people to listen to a little different version of pop music. Um, this record is not really a straight down the middle pop record. Yeah. It's um, it, it feels a little more organic than that, and I, I think that that's going to be very clear in a lot of the recordings. Um, but the record doesn't really have one subject matter. Yeah, not necessarily. It. I mean, uh, there's definitely songs that that deal with you know heartbreak or depression, depression, mental 
wellness. Um, but I think that ultimately overall, overall, it should make you feel good, even if the subject matter is like a hard subject matter mm -hmm. to talk about. Um, we always kind of like the mix of maybe, you know, the, the lyrics are happy, but the song in itself sounds kind of sad or flipping that on its head and the subject is actually really sad, but the music underneath it feels mm -hmm. really like anthemic and, and, and uh, uplifting. Um, I, I think that overall, it should kind of take you back to, you know, your windows down, being at the beach, you're with your friends, you have really no worries, like life mm. is good, Love you're that. on the West yeah. Coast. Yeah, it's a know? road trip record a little yeah. bit, I guess, if you had to sum it up with one. With that context, this is definitely the place to do that. It's totally you know, the place. Especially with that kind of Beach Boys element. What is the writing process for, since there are two of you, do you come up with a song and then she contributes? Um, or do you write some lyrics or do you have an idea and then you both elaborate? It kind of switches. It kind of mix. It's a mix. It, yeah. it, it goes in... in Waves? Waves, yeah. yeah. There are times Allie will start the song with someone and then I'll jump in the next day and we'll all work together based on our schedule or vice versa. Um, Allie's a super strong lyricist. I tend to bring weight with melody, but Allie also does. I mean, we really... Like, we have similar strengths, um, but we also shine brighter in certain ways mm -hmm. that I think makes us a really strong duo. I think vocally, but also in terms of just writing and our process. I think when we were younger, we much we were much more, um, we, we had our, our little jobs were much more laid out. And I think mm -hmm. as we've gotten older, we've gotten stronger right. and just better at the craft. So those boxes have kind of expanded. Um, and I think that, you know, over time, it's it's kind of shown like this natural progression in our music and in just our creative um, like journey together. Whether that's mm -hmm. with someone that we've written with many times or somebody that we sit down and write a song with for the first time, um, uh, the a large part of the collaboration on this album is between you know Eve Rothman and then George Elbrecht, who um, is an artist himself and. He's a, a really wonderful songwriter and makes music that's very different from AJ and I. But I also think that that's kind of the beauty of of creating with him is that he brings certain elements to the music that's very different um, than something that we would come up with on our own. Yeah. And a lot of really interesting melody ideas. And um, we're just excited that we took time with this album. We have really sat with these songs now you know, when the music comes out, we'll have probably sat with the, the music itself for like a year and a half. Wow. Um, but from the time that we started writing these songs to the time that we actually wrapped them, it was about a year. And um, we just slowly started realizing that we had certain songs that felt like they were pieces to a full album. And we started mm -hmm. kind of collecting those and putting them in a file and like listening to them over and over and over again, siphoning out some of them that maybe weren't kind of cutting it and, and yeah. knowing like, that's okay, that song has fallen away by the wayside, but we needed that song to get to this song. But it's cool, once you get that like first batch of three that yeah. really start shaping the record, you're, you're like, like, oh, this, is this informs exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah and we needed it. a couple of those to help kickstart kick like the sound and yeah. the overall uh, like brush strokes of, of the album. Um, and that started with a song that was actually quite old that we did a full rewrite on, which we don't really do a lot of because I. I feel like that can be a really hard road to go down because you kind of end up like beating the song to death to a point where the original wasn't great, but then what you ended up getting at the <laughs> yeah. end isn't maybe really or great Or you've either. just given it like a bad 
bad like, facelift. Yeah. You're just like, whoa, we just Botoxed the shit out of yeah, his face. Totally. We tried well, to like redo the chorus. Yeah, right we yeah, just sadly. And completely warped. And then yeah, you're like, now I need to peel back some of what I did. And now you're like, well, now we're back at where it started. But so the does, song, is that right? The song in itself had a really good bones. It was yeah. more of like a lyrical uh, conundrum that we were in. And so we sat with the song. We were like, okay, all of the melodies are there. We mm-hmm. just need to get the lyrics right. We're like, just stop writing about a minivan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gotta get we gotta get out of some of these weird like ideas that we've gotten hung up on, and and that started with with two songs that we did a a, a really deep rewrite on, and then um, the next kind of round of songs came out of a session with George Albrecht out of Denver, and we wrote with him for a few days there, brought those songs back, brought them to Eve, and we were like, Eve, we think this is like the this, start. This is the start. These like three, four, five songs. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of went from there, and we kept writing mm-hmm. and and kind of tweaking and working on some of those little demos. And then next thing we knew was it was June, and we were like, let's let's actually like get in the studio. Let's actually map out these songs so that we can have musicians now start playing them. Yeah. How did you get in touch with Eve? Where's he come from? I know he worked on... Uh... So he worked on the last EP. Um, we met him through a mutual friend, uh, an ex-manager of ours, actually, who who introduced us to him. And I'm so glad he did, because I feel like Eve has been like a really integral part of you know the next chapter of our career. I think the EP that we did with him is great, and I'm really happy we made that EP in order to figure out where we want to go now. But what we've done with him now, just far... Surpasses, surpasses what yeah. we did with him, you know, two years ago. And it's cool because when we were working together, he always knew we were probably going to make a record together. And we started talking and just vocalizing what that record should sound like and nice. feel like. And I think that just put into he play had a really, really good early. Pre-production. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. kind of like, he believed in us. Like, not that we needed somebody to believe in us, but we kind of still needed like a mentor type person yeah. that was encouraging us and saying like, no, no, no. I think you guys need to trust like this part of your artistry and I think you need to embrace this side of of your music and not shy away from this. I think that you guys need to go a little bit back to your roots, like the organic music making that you first started doing Mm -hmm. as young girls and not even really like having any sort of self-awareness about it when we were, you know, 13 and 15. We were just making music in our room and that was that was it. There was no like Mm -hmm. thinking about radio, thinking if it was a hook, thinking about where that song would be placed in a Spotify playlist, none of those things even floated in our mind. So he was like, I kind of want to like strip us back down to that innocence and just think about the music mm-hmm. and think about the songs and the lyrics. And melody comes really easy for AJ and I. We kind of carry the weight in a lot of our sessions with melody ideas, not in like a bulldozing way, just in like a, this is one of our gifts. And so this album the struggle sometimes was finding the really strong lyrics to go with those really strong melodies. And that was the thing that Eve really helped um, kind of crack the whip on us about where he was like, I think that these maybe aren't strong enough lyrics or like everything's perfect, but this one chorus line is like bumping for me. Can we find a better alternative? And like, sometimes I would just be like, this is, I can't, <laughs> I like, I don't know. I, I don't think there's another word that exists to go in here. And then, you know, two hours later it'd be there. I love that. So it's it, it's it makes interesting. You work. Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes you yeah. work. Yeah. But it was kind of like making our first record again, but making it as adults, as sure. adult women. And how does that look? Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Coming from, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the the Disney world, but do you have a problem with being kind of labeled as pop and Disney and having such early success, where people don't want to look past that? Have you heard I that? Mean, I think that we've gotten to a place where we feel. Um, um, 
like we don't have to necessarily explain ourselves or explain yeah. our sound. Yeah. I think that the music should speak for itself. And I think that sometimes being labeled as a pop artist, as a R&B artist, as a country artist can, can sometimes be hard on the artists themselves because maybe they want to experiment a little bit. Maybe sure. they don't want to make a, a third country record, you know? Yep. Yeah, I think, I think that genre labeling can pigeonhole you Yeah, it can be bit. hard. When you're kind of like, but I do more than this. I mean, yes, we make pop music and pop melodies, and I think our music tends to lean in that, in that category, but if we were going to look at like a genre, I wouldn't necessarily call this new record pop. Yeah. No. You know? From the track I did here when we did the session in three for mm. the, the concert and stuff, that's amazing. You know, there's so many cool elements going on there. And I hate for, like I said to you earlier, that these artists get, it's happened to everyone. My, mm -hmm. my boy Gary Clark Jr. down in Austin, Texas, started as a blues artist, but mm -hmm. now he's doing hip hop elements right. and R&B. And right. his fans just turned on him. You know, on, mm. on his Instagram page and mm. on YouTube, like, what what is this stuff? We don't want you to do this. We want. But you, you know to what? Do... That's just like mm. Dylan. It's like Dylan started Touché. with an acoustic guitar, and right. then all of a sudden went electric, and people were like, "What the fuck? Like, how dare you?" Yeah. But but that was his evolution as an artist, and then yeah. of course, at a certain point, people come around and they're like, "Oh wait, this is actually really brilliant." And if I believe in who this artist is innately, then I will believe in the music they're putting out. Yeah, and I'll let them take me on the journey because yeah. it's worth it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. if people are patient and they just kind of at least sustain, like let the let let the connection to the artist just live and just trust where the artist is going. It works every time. Mm -hmm. yes, I think definitely. Even though we were mentioning John Mayer. You know, your body is a wonderland. To now, he's the lead guitar player of the Grateful Dead. Yeah, it's you know, crazy. Right. Nobody would have seen the crazy. that journey, that arc at all. Yeah. The crazy thing is, if you truly have like the the eye for like talent and how magical he is you, you know right when you listen to record one oh, yeah. but 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 you might only know that if you know records two three four five and six to know i can look back and go oh he was brilliant then too it's just yeah. more pop yeah and, and like prince pop artist exactly you know and he's the greatest artist ever yeah um yeah, I just hate the labels, and I think, uh, yeah. you know, we should all be open to any kind of music where it comes from. And, as long uh, as it makes you feel something. Exactly, then, emotion. Then, right. then great. I, if, it may, if it moves me as a person or if it makes me think of something in a brand new way and opens my mind, then that's all that, that's all that really matters yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I have friends that listen to, like, Tool and Rage Against the Machine and Slipknot, but they love that Shawn Mendes song that just right. came out. <laughs> Is it right. my blood or what's it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I mean a it's monster it, grade. Totally. No, but it's true. You you can have wildly different array of, you should, of taste. Yeah, yeah. And, you're missing and out if you don't. Who cares? Yeah, that's that, that's like the wonderful part about music. Um, we got to talk about Ray LaMontagne a little bit. Uh, Ray, if you ever watch this, we want you to come in Sunset and do anything: play piano, write a song. <laughs> yeah. You guys, we were all at the same concert at the Orpheum. Mm -hmm. Um, what's early something... 2020? Yes, it's crazy. It's like eight months ago now. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like the last show we ended concerts. up seeing live before everything shut down. What's uh, really attracts you to him? His lyrics, his voice, his simplicity. His oh I mean, I think gosh. he's got like one of the craziest tones, like vocally. Yeah, he's like a modern right day now. male Janis Joplin. Like, there's just something he exudes yeah, wow, this like crazy comparison. presence with his vocal ability that is yeah. so it's so natural. He doesn't he doesn't push anything. He doesn't force anything. Um, and live, like, you know, even, like, just the way he plays with his mic is so interesting. Like, he's so, 
the mic is such a character on his stage for him, I feel yeah. like, and the acoustic guitar. And he doesn't need to tour with a band. He just can literally go out there, him and acoustic guitar and one other guy. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. Like, we saw him, yeah. and it's magical. Yeah. That was just acoustic. What, like, how he's singing, kind of? Yeah, exactly. Like, he'll do this thing when he kind of, you know, screams a little bit where he just knows exactly how much he to pull back. He has a lot back, of control, he, a lot of vocal yeah. control. He does. He yeah. does. He knows, how to, he knows how to work the mic. But also, I just think he's an incredible writer. I mean, I think... Yeah. I think his lyrics, Honesty, I think I also think he works with pain. Yeah. Gosh. And I think his I mean, you can hear a lot of his like influences in in his own writing where you're like, yeah, he's gotta be like a huge fan of like the birds and mm-hmm. you know, just like these these artists that that have these like wonderful melodies that are so classic and you can listen to 20, 30, 40 years later. And I think that Ray will be an artist like that. I mean mm-hmm. I love that Ouroboros record. I think that album is so great. I also think part of, uh, wait, is it part, part of, of light? light? Yeah, yeah. Um, we were just playing that the other day, and um, and I've I've really been enjoying his his newest record. And then Monovision, which is like yeah, yeah which is all him. That's I mean, it was favorite, just insane. Yeah. Crazy. He's just his like, I'm like he has no you limits. Cut this all just by yourself. Like what? He has no limits. Do Why? you guys ever want to record like a album? Just I mean, you guys are both great acoustic players too. Like we did oh, the show. Oh I don't know if we could <laughs> do an entire album. I mean. It would be cool. I think we could. It would be cool to do like an acoustic tour, you know, yeah, something totally. that was kind of like the way that he has his setup, where it's like the two of us, and maybe one other guitarist. Yeah, yeah. gosh, um, we save a lot of money. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but I don't think that we're like. I don't know if I, if I would, equipped to cutting a full record ourselves. Yeah, be equipped I mean, to cut an, an album on my own, just out out in the middle of nowhere, like he did. The, but lear- hey, the learning we're younger. process like, would have you know, to. Let, let's see where we are in 10 years. You exactly. know? Let's see where we are in 15 years. Maybe we'll say, yeah. I, I think, is it the Pariah Dogs or the Prairie yeah. Dogs? Yeah, Prairie Dogs. Yeah. Okay, is that is band? Is it Prairie or is it Pariah? I think it's Pariah. Pariah. I think it might be Pariah. Yeah, yeah. it's not Prairie Dog. Um, I've, I haven't seen them with him recently. Um, it's all been acoustic shows, but I think that'd be very cool because you play piano mm-hmm. and yeah. you play keyboard in concert, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, usually, Allie's keys when we're live. Yeah, I didn't play. I didn't play keys on our um, little sunset set. sunset sound band session because we had our keyboardist, and I was like, "You just hold it down. It's good. We'll just focus on vocals." Which sometimes actually feels really nice to just be like, "I'm focusing on my vocals only." But it would be it would be so strange to not have an instrument on stage, mm-hmm. f- you know, touring. I, it feels a little bit like a pacifier to me. Yeah, it is. Maybe a that's a thing, good thing. Yeah. Maybe that's sometimes like a bad thing. Um, but we used to play a lot together, just like you know. Acoustic, double acoustic, yeah. and we need yeah. to do that more. I think we should bring that back. Yeah. And I think it, it now lends itself to the music a lot more yeah. than than some of the past songs, which are a little bit more electronic based and synth heavy. Where I'm like, I don't know how we get an acoustic guitar in this like synth right. line. <laughs> what are some of the your biggest influences for like starting off female singers that you really liked? I mean, you mentioned the Beach Boys, but for female Janice, Janice actually died leaving this studio yesterday. 50 years ago. I saw that online. Yeah. This was the it's just, 50 um, year anniversary for death. It's crazy. That's, um, and I think it's, to switch subjects real quick, it's great. And I love following you guys on Instagram because you're very open about your feelings, about mm-hmm. fans and people uh, talking about mental health. Yeah. And imagine if that kind of stuff was around when she was 27 years right. old. Right. You know, there was no, I don't even know if they had program. I'm sure they did. But, no, but yeah. you're right. You're right. No, it's, I know so, it's a different time. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a stigma. Different time. Where it's like. Everybody's depressed. Let's yeah. talk about it. And, and, it. and being an artist, I mean, everybody that's an artist, if you're also probably going to be a good artist, you're going to have some inner turmoil happening. Sure. So right. if anything, that should be used to to benefit you as an artist, even though it can be sometimes, you know, a, a tough moment in your personal life. Well, I also feel like Allie and I have been like 
doing this for a really long time. Like she kind of blew up out of nowhere in a, in a weird way. Like mm -hmm. her, her trajectory of like yeah. fame was so ignited so fast that like, how do you really, if you're not mentally super healthy mm. or physically healthy or whatever it may be, how, where are you going to go? Yeah. Big brother and the holding company, but she was like the right. first superstar woman, you know, mm -hmm. who, yeah. to like, you know, really run a band and, be the front person and just some of her Dick it. Cavett interviews. I'm just like, this yeah, is, I was watching those too this weekend. This for, is so good. Um, I but, mean, Heart was a huge influence yeah. for us. I mean, nice. a lot of the music was music that was played in our house as kids, and most of it was male. Most of it was driven, was male driven. Like a lot of the musicians. No, no. no. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of the police. A lot of um, a lot of Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Heart. Uh, a lot of gospel, a lot of country. Um, that was kind of on my mom's side more, mm -hmm. but um, dad more classic rock. Yeah, but Led we, Zeppelin. We we honestly did a lot of like self discovery in music as we got older. Yeah, and some of that had to do with like the band members that we were playing with would kind of like say, "Girls, we're gonna we're gonna sit you down and do like a little lesson on this," <laughs> you know. And and I think that some of those moments were really important for us because. Either we weren't listening to them in the home, which is, you know, now good to know because for my future kids, I'm like, we've got like, you know, 50 Massive records that are like, this is like the today. 101 that you're going to be listening to from day one. Um, and and then I think that that honestly really shaped some of the music that we started listening to then later on. Um, but Heart was probably like the one of the larger influences because of them being sisters, because mm -hmm. of um, them you know, being this like this force and, and really being like the only real women in rock music, you know, obviously besides like a Joan Jed and, and no, others that yeah. played also yeah, as totally. well as sing. Um, but, but we just really looked, we really looked up to them and my mom really loved their music. So it was in our home a lot. Mm -hmm. And then dog and butterfly was a big, big, yeah. big revolving song in our house. All yeah. The time. That's my so mom cool. Really yeah. I mean, everything I started for me in music from, where I went to school for music business and being a musician myself for 25 years started in the home and it started with Beach Boys and it started with learning about these uh, artists and then, you know, classic radio. We listened, I'm sure mm -hmm. even when you were kids, it was listening to the radio. and Yeah, know, the radio was totally. a big, it was classic rock big for us. Yeah. Classic rock, I mean, K-Rock, <laughs> way back in the day when like K-Rock was, you know, Great. I miss Love Line. Love Line. I mean, just <laughs> all Dr. those. Dr. Drew. Yeah. Dr. Drew. Um, but those, you know, those moments as like a teenager where you're listening to the radio and you're like, I'm 15 and I'm driving home from like, you know, a friend's house or whatever. And it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Like so much of that is, mm. is an influence and you don't even really realize it. Um, but I think Age and I, you know, we were big CD collectors. We were really deep into like just having a huge book of CDs and we held on to that and the Walkman for so long until eventually it was like, we, I guess we gotta get an iPod. Like, what is this thing? Um, <laughs> which is really funny. So I, I feel like book. I was like five years behind, yeah. you know, like when iPod came out, I was still hanging on to the CDs and yeah. then like a, like four or five years later, I we were We were late to every Apple product. Yeah. Really. Um, and, and we're not really techies, like, I wish that we were more. I think it would actually, at certain times, I think it would be really helpful for our music. At other times, I think that maybe the simplicity of not having that in our mind maybe mm. helps some of our art. I don't know. But we're like, we're not, we don't know. We understand Pro Tools in terms of like when the producer's working on Pro Tools. I understand what he's doing, but, but I can't implement that. that at all. Sure. Yeah, which I feel like we could easily get there only because we've now like seen it so much yeah, that I feel visual. like we could. 
I think we could learn it if we really like opened ourselves up to that. But we're just, yeah, we're not really like gearheads and and stuff. We're just kind of like, we also, I think we realize that there are But then when you go to sunset, you become one because you're like, oh, I'm saying not a 251 and I've never sounded like this. Yeah, totally. And you're like, holy shit, this is is taking things to a whole other level. And and you start to trust the people that are best at some of those jobs, whether that's, you know. An engineer. An engineer or a, a bass player. Or a guy coming over and like giving you like a little, you know, plug-in rack that's from like the 70s and you're just like, wow, that sounds magical. But also understanding like there are people that know this and have this knowledge to such a deep degree that I also respect that yeah. so much. And I'm like, hey, you know, I trust. So like just show us the way and, and totally. we'll be there. It's role playing. Yeah. You know, it's teamwork and uh, making an album. It's, you know, I... I can't stand recording sometimes. I can't stand having the cans on, especially if I'm playing against a click because mm-hmm. it's just, it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, I I'm not that. into it. I don't feel yeah. like you're getting a full performance from me. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to trust, uh, you know, I was thinking your husband, Steven, who's here, I bet he probably could understand Pro Tools because Avid owns Pro Tools and that's what I edit on. I think he would actually. And I think he would pick it up for sure. Of, uh, editing on, you know, with film and, and yeah. movies and, and mm-hmm editing you know our music videos i think he would probably pick it up really fast which yeah i think so too are you guys primarily because you have successful tv film careers you guys are in i mean what do you have 200 imdb credits between the two of you i, mean, all <laughs> yeah. of our, I don't know about that, I don't about that but oh my God. maybe when we're dead we'll 100 have each that'd be awesome maybe, mm-hmm. no definitely not you're on the goldbergs i was on the goldbergs for that's how you know Callen, seven right? years yeah 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 okay and then we did a spinoff of the goldbergs together that was set in the 90s for a couple wow. years seven years Seven seven years I've played Laney, yeah, eight years. Okay, and then you, your show that just wrapped, you were telling me about, was in Canada? Yeah, we shot it in Vancouver, which I really miss as a city. It's a great, yeah, it's so a great pretty. place. Yeah, um, yeah. so I was up there on and off for about five years. Um, but it's, it's nice to have the music kind of front and center at mm-hmm. this moment. You know, when we were younger, the music really was the driving force, and then that kind of took a backseat, and our our acting careers kind of took over for a, a while. And I think that's because we got a little bit burned out by music. I think we got a, maybe a little bit jaded. I think we got uh, a little overwhelmed by feeling like we needed to deliver certain things to be successful. Mm. Um, and we were just like young artists, just being like a young artist, trying to make your sophomore record. All those things can be really, really hard on your psyche. And You have and, to dedicate the time like, yeah. to, to one thing. I'm not saying you can't do it all, but like... I have to say, I think this is kind of the moment that we've chosen where it's like music is the is the number one number one leading force life. for what Allie and I want to do creatively. You know, acting, it's like, it's funny, I have so many friends that are like, you know, I call my agent every day and I'm like, we call our music manager every day. Like, yeah. like right now, music mm-hmm. is the is the the driving force behind Allie. And, and the I. beautiful thing with music is we have so much and I don't mean this in like a control freak way, but we do have so much control over the music in a way yeah. that we don't with other projects. Unless you're producing, you're directing, you're starring in the film, you're the financer, you know, you you lose a lot of control. So yeah. you, you know, you go, you spend X amount of months filming the project, it comes out, it's maybe edited together in a way that you weren't expecting, it's maybe promoted in a way you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
And, and those are all things out of your control. Whereas at least for us, we're in the driver's seat with our music, especially not being attached to a label and having AWOL as our distributor. We make all the decisions, mm-hmm. how we want to dress, what the first uh, single yeah. will be. When what, we want to release when it. When we want to release it. If we want to shoot the music video what's, on film. What's the visual? I mean, all of it is is directed by Ali and I. Yeah. And there's something really empowering about that. And I honestly think that the art is better because of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's because it's coming from the artist, not from... A boardroom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or wherever those things happen. <laughs> Two questions. Um, what would you give... What advice would you give Allie and AJ 20 years ago, if you could, today? Hmm. I think I would say that we probably never should have stopped making music after... Yeah, don't take such a long break. Don't take such a long break, because I think that even though it was a really hard time for us and we weren't feeling super inspired... 10 years, you guys. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we weren't feeling super inspired, we were still writing a little bit creatively with one um, collaborator, our kind of like our big brother, Mikey. Um, But I would say that that, in a way, almost slowed the momentum. I I feel like if we had, I I think that it was the right choice for us to walk away from our label because I don't think that it was good for our our mental health. I don't think that it was good for our artistry. But it would have been great if we'd said, okay, so we walked away from the label, but now like we're going to just like hit the ground running. Right. Like we we didn't know how to do that. We didn't know how to do that. And I think it was, yeah. And I think it was just because we were young and, we were still trying to figure out what our sound was as artists. At that point, we were 21 and 19. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably would say, you know, I, that we should have just kept going. We should have just kept making music, and we should have kept putting it out. Yeah, and I would have also told us, like, a major label isn't the only way, but it felt yeah. like the only way then. Sure. then. And so as soon as we cut ties with them, it was like, oh, we 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 did something that we believe is right for our art, but now we don't know how to continue mm-hmm. moving forward when there are a lot of other options. And I... All friends that I know, actually Pat Carney from Black Keys, another person who tracked a few albums here, he cannot stand being on a label. If you, he was just on Joe Rogan, and if you listen to him talk about Warner Brothers, he's like, get me off of this fucking thing. Wow. I can't stand it. They won't even answer my phone calls. My boy hmm. Gary's and on it's the there, Black too. Keys. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they just, everyone's had it with labels, and it's, um, you know, the DIY um, kind of moment that's going on. What, what advice would you give now to artists that are coming up right now with you know social media with youtube there's billions of channels and accounts people are you know putting up their their art that they make how do is that the route to go to get noticed what do you do it's interesting yeah who do you what do you do today now if you don't have a super connection you know yeah everything i've done of merit in this whole city is because of connections i've known it's sad to say and that's just yeah. honesty i like to help people. right but right it's, um, I think hold on to your publishing, honestly. That's, that's I think, absolutely. one of the, the, the best things that we have done in this new Ali and AJ yeah. um, era of you know, coming back to music. We, re- we held on to our publishing 100%, so we own that. And, and I, we own our and, masters, and too. And we own our masters. Um, and I think, that, I think that that's really important. And I think that having control over that not only is is great for you on a financial level, but just on like a decision making level too. It yeah. holds a lot of clout. Um, I, I think that I think that trying to make music that's relevant for the times never works. And I think AJ and I have also sometimes learned that the hard way, mm-hmm. where we tried to make music for what was being made in the moment, what was cool at that moment, mm-hmm. but that moment eventually switches into something else, and it's just this ever-changing tide so I feel like if you just make music that's good for you 
and that is authentic, wow, that's so it's, it's gonna it's gonna reach the masses. It's gonna reach people. Totally. But you just gotta just kind of keep the blinders on and just keep going. So I think that's, the thing is, you're gonna enjoy that music for much longer than you would enjoy making the what fits the mold right now. Correct. You're gonna hate playing that. In and year. that's yeah. what Hollywood does with their films, with their yeah, music. They right. try to just throw things out that they think are going to sell immediately, and they, and they flop. You know, Filmmakers are doing that right now. Everyone's doing a COVID movie that's based oh, on right. this like, Right. Also, nobody wants to see a COVID film right exactly. now. I certainly, <laughs> I certainly don't. We're living one, you know? Exactly. But yeah, I, I do. I think that that, I think that that advice would have been great for us to have had as like young teenagers. But if you sign with a major, some of that advice gets thrown out the window. Oh, yeah, real Good quick. luck owning your master's. And it's, you know, as you know, there's a lot of, fantastic huge artists that don't have any money today after they right. did four five six albums too. sold you know four million copies of something and they're sitting on you know twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars in the bank because of that exact reason um the flip side to that question would be even how do you get your music noticed today how do you think just if you put something on instagram if it's that good it's going to go viral do you think you should <laughs> be contacting music supervisors yeah, it's, interesting, yeah. it's so hard it's because ali and i, I have never i've never even been able to figure out what makes something go viral like yeah. what, what what's a water cooler moment how do you get that yeah. you can't it's you can't push it happens that. and you and you don't like you don't know what's going to happen we're not on tiktok we're not and i'm not like against that i just don't find enjoyment in it maybe i will in six <laughs> months for some reason i don't know but i mean i, I don't know it's one of those yeah, things where it's months. like you know, we're making a documentary as we make this record. I think it's interesting to show people what oh, you're cool. making and how you're making it. I think it's cool to let people in on the process. So my advice would be, you know, don't privatize things. I think show it, yeah. you know, flaunt it a little bit. Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm excited. This is what it's looking like. I think there's this thing where people don't really want the privacy angle anymore of like, oh, what's yeah. it going to sound like? I'm not going to know for six months. It's like dropping little hints as to what the record sounds like and looks yeah. like I think is cool. And, and I think that... We're working I, on a podcast too, which yeah, I mean, you know, kind of yeah, we're excited about that actually, yeah, because we've talked about it for with a, someone a while else. Now. No, no, just each other. Oh, yeah. nice. We'll have guests and stuff. Sure, do you want to be great. on it? We, we can, can interview you. Yeah. Do it here. We can yeah, we should. There you go. That's great. Right. That's sick. We should do an episode here. Um, we have a new studio at Sunset Sound. It's just the Alley AJ podcast room. I think also, I think that a large part of getting your music out there is also playing. I mean, playing shows. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we know that right now that's not possible, but... Touring is everything. W- but touring is everything. Yeah. And I think that that is honestly... At the end of the day, that should be the one of... The probably number one thing that is focused on as an artist because you can do that forever. You can do yeah. that into eternity. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to go and only play Staples Center. You could go and play 3,000, 4,000-seater rooms but if you can consistently sell that out and you can sell that out all over the US and maybe even internationally as well, you, you can make a really decent living doing that. And mm-hmm. if you're consistent with your album drops happening every couple years and putting songs out consistently, that's great. I think yeah. that that honing your live your live act is really important mm-hmm. as okay. a as a young artist. What another great way I just thought of and which I really admire about um, you two is that your videos are Sick. Thanks. That's what another way artists have to, yeah. you know, coming up. Great videos. Great music they don't video. also have to cost you can do a lot of iPhone. Money. You know, these iPhone 11 Pro yeah. Max, but you yeah. guys are not doing iPhones. Uh, the <laughs> one I absolutely love. Who's the director we were talking about? Alex Ross Perry. Alex Ross, yeah, Alex Ross Perry. Gosh, yeah. he did three for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are yeah. just some of the coolest videos ever. Thank Thanks. You. That's so sweet. Yes, but I think that's great too. You know, you get, you get a great uh, music video that. 
you know, moves people emotionally yeah. or is I mean, technically looking cool. Yeah, we videos. don't. It's and all and about... we shoot everything on film, which yeah. I know some people are like, that's crazy, that's expensive. But it's kind of like saying we record everything at sunset. There's a there's a quality to it yeah. that film has you that can't a replicate place like it. sunset yeah. has that you can't really replicate that, that keeps everything actually really consistent and linear. The one Joan of Arc on the dance floor was 16 millimeter, right? That's mm -hmm. when I watched. Yeah, if anybody watches, in, in this, go watch Joan of Arc on the dance floor. That's a sick video. Thank and you. And you did it in your living room. Yeah, yeah that was that was all, all the that was a COVID video. That was a COVID like, video, and yeah. um, we, I mean, we shot on an incredible camera um, that our DP Steve Gaynor got um, lent to us. So that was that was huge. Um, Mary and, Pickford's old camera. Yeah, it was Mary Pickford's old camera. And then really? the fact that that no way, that's so the, cool. the music video was kind of based um, on this this wonderful film, um, a silent film from the 1930s called uh, The Passion of Joan of Arc. You should watch it. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's, uh, you could probably watch it on Criterion. Or, yeah. I think that Apple, you can even rent it on Apple, I'm pretty sure. I thought that was... Um... Your it's husband kind of has a that. 16 mil too. Yeah, he in does. the studio. Is yeah. that what you're doing the documentary on as well? Shooting some yeah. of that? That's yeah, some of it's on 16, some, some of it's digital. 16, some digital. But and that wasn't his camera you shot that on. Okay. I no, no, it, was. it wasn't no. his camera. He wishes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, One I'd day. like to own that Mary Pickford camera. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Give thank us a little background. You're obviously, you know, great friends of Sunset now. We love Thanks, having Dre. you in here. We we'll do anything guys. for you. And um, Appreciate it. if you want to follow Allie and AJ on socials, uh, I am AJ, I am Allie, and then it's I am Allie and AJ. It's just Allie and just AJ. Allie and AJ. We made it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Easy. We made it simple. Great. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank, we look thank forward you. to hearing Come on to our podcast, Drew. Yeah, come to our podcast. <laughs> we'll trade turns. I'll run the camera. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, guys.